Uh, if you're at home, thanks so much for joining us this morning. As Peter's already said, and I know what you, you want to do, what I want to do, which is just say thank you for this team, for leading us in worship and reminding us again of how much we have to be grateful for, 10,000 reasons and so many more different things that we have to be thankful for. Hey, if this is your first time uh, tuning in to Center Church, I just want to say welcome. You're now part of the family. You only have to come once and you're immediately part of the family, so welcome. If Center is your home church, and I just want to say thank you again for joining us. And I also want to say a couple things to you, and that is, is that I'm so proud of you. I'm so incredibly proud of the way that you have given over the last couple of months and have enabled Center Church to look forward to, as Peter just talked about, moving into your own building. That is so awesome. And I happen to live, as some of you might know, I happen, I happen to live right here in Byron Center. As a matter of fact, this church, I, I happen to serve 180 churches throughout all of Michigan and Illinois and Wisconsin, but this church is literally 300 yards away from my house, so it wasn't a long commute for me today. Um, but I'm so excited because I live in this community. I get to pray for Center Church all the time, and now for you guys to have your own 24-7 facility, I'm just so excited for you, and that wouldn't happen without your sacrificial giving. So I just want to say thank you. I want to say way to go. And I'm so excited about what Holy Spirit is going to do in you and through you as a congregation um, as we get to gather again when that happens. And I'm so excited for that. I have to tell you something. And that is, is that, um, look, we're all navigating COVID in the way that we are. And of course, the governor here in Michigan said that uh, it would be safest if, uh, if, if we go virtual. And so that's what we've done, it's just an attempt to be loving. And but I'll, I'll say this much, um, you're, wherever you are, you're warmer right now than we are. Even if you're in a deer stand right now hunting, you're warmer than we are in this room right now. You could hang deer meat in this room right now. I just want you to know. So enjoy your warmth wherever it is that you are and uh, whatever. Now, Peter's done a great job of praying. Uh, uh, you don't need it, but I need it. So I'm going to pray really quick, and then we'll get into what I think God wants to say to us in the next few minutes. Okay, here we go. So Holy Spirit of God, thank you so much for the privilege and the joy of worship. Thank you that you really are our living hope. Thank you for the 10,000 different reasons that we have to worship your name and all the things you've done for us. And so now in these next few minutes, would you help us to focus in on what you want to say to us? Because we believe you want to speak into our lives. So help us to hear from you, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So let me ask you, what is something that you really enjoy doing? What is your fun thing? What is your favorite thing? If you ask my wife that question, she would tell you going to a coffee shop and hanging out with a friend. As a matter of fact, there's a, a coffee shop that's not all that new, it's about a year old or so, called Full Circle that's right here in Byron Center that my wife loves. And she loves to go hang out there with friends and have great coffee. If you ask my daughter Julia that, she would immediately begin to tell you about horses and how she loves to ride horses and dogs and how she loves dogs. If you ask my other daughter, Natalia, that, she would tell you that she loves to write and she's got her own blog and she loves to journal and she's really good at that. And she also loves roller coasters. Anything that will make her dad throw up, she loves. Um, and so that's just her gig. That's, what, that's one of the things that she loves. What is it for you? If you ask me that question, I would tell you uh, one word, acceleration. It's not about going 120 miles an hour down the interstate illegally. That's not what it does for me. What it is for me is going zero to 60 or zero to 70 right now. 
Like that is a blast for me. I love the sense of acceleration. And I, I have a dear friend by the name of Dave. And Dave uh, makes a lot more money than I do. And he's a dear brother in Christ. And uh, for the last 20 years, Dave has thrown me the keys to his car and said, go get in my car and go have fun. And so I have driven cars that I, I would never be able to afford. And there's something about getting in that car and going from zero to 70, or maybe just a tad bit faster than 70, right now. There's just something like it, the feeling of acceleration. Uh, Dave also happens to own a corporate jet. And as it turns out, I was on that, I I spoke with Dave at a church uh, a week ago today. And uh, after that engagement, we got on his corporate jet and we flew out of Lansing. And um, when we flew out of Lansing, uh, I, I just tell you, there is nothing like the acceleration that you feel when you go down that runway and then take off and go into the sky. I love that feeling. Now, I don't know what your favorite thing is, what your love thing is, you know, like it is roller coasters for my daughter, or a coffee date with my wife. But let's pretend for just a moment that acceleration was your thing. I, I understand it probably isn't, but let's just say for a minute that it was. I want you to imagine for, for just a moment that you got into a, a really fast car and you sat down and you started up the engine, but you noticed that the low fuel light was on. And the problem is, is that you have no idea how long that low fuel light has been on for. But you decide, well, you know, I'm just going to ignore it. I'm just, uh, this is my one chance to drive this car. So you get in the car and you get out on the road and you you press the accelerator down and you start going for it and you get about a second and a half in and you're going 30 miles an hour, then all of a sudden, ah, and the car dies on you. Now, here's the sad thing. The, the sad thing is as you come to a halt in that moment and you're kind of out on the side of the, of the road, you know, it's just like, ah, oh, man, I got to have gas. Here's the sad thing. The sad thing is that there was nothing wrong with what you wanted to do. The car was made, the car was engineered to do the very thing you wanted to do with it. There's nothing wrong mechanically with the car. It was engineered to do the very thing you want to do. The problem is, of course, it doesn't have fuel. And by the way, for those of you who love Teslas, I get it. Even Teslas need batteries, okay? And if your battery dies, the exact same thing happens. See, without fuel or without batteries, that car that was engineered to go really fast, no lie, about a month ago, I found myself in a major city and I was watching a BMW race a Tesla in a downtown area, just waiting for them to get caught by the police, which they didn't, by the way. Um, So even those fast cars, Teslas, BMWs, whatever, even if they were made to go fast, engineered to go fast, they won't go fast unless they have the right fuel in them. I'm a runner. I've run a few marathons in my life. And here's what's interesting is, is that if you ever run a half marathon, even a 10K sometimes, or a full marathon, what you'll notice is, is that a lot, of the, a lot of the pasta restaurants, all the olive gardens, all those kinds of places are full the night before a race like that. Why? Because everybody is carving up. They're trying to get fuel into their body. Here's, here's the truth. Here's why I've told you all of that. Because you were made to run in life. You were made to run. Now, not necessarily physically. That's fine if you do, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you were made to run in life, to experience this abundant life. Jesus said, I have come to give you life and give it to you to the full. 
Well, Chris, what does that look like? What does an abundant life look like? Well, it looks like relationships that are filled with community, meaning like you, you hang out with friends and those relationships are rich. You don't live your life in isolation. You encourage each other. You speak life into other people. You were made to, to think of work as a fulfilling thing, not as a drudgery thing. Ah, oh, crud, I gotta go to work. No, you were made to see work as a fulfillment, part of a fulfillment of who God created you to be and to go into your job saying, God, I want you to work in my life and then through my life, both in what I do and in the people that I interact with. No matter what I do, I can actually see God work in me and through me at work. Work can be purposeful and meaningful. You were made to live without shame and without regret. Just yesterday, I had the privilege of, of doing some premarital counseling for a wedding that I'm gonna do out of state. And as I was talking to these individuals, uh, you know, there was some regret that they had had over some past behavior in their life. And I could tell, as a matter of fact, as we started talking yesterday about some subjects, like they, literally there were some tears that came. And as I, I spoke to this couple, I just said, oh, 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 you were not made to live with shame and regret. Jesus came to give you an abundant life so you don't have to live with shame. And some of you this morning, you're watching me from your couch, you're watching me on your device or whatever, and your life is racked with shame and regret because of past mistakes that you have made. And what I want you to be aware of is that Jesus came and he died to give you an abundant life so that you don't have to live with regret. You don't have to live with shame. You can break those chains and live free of that. You can also live free of addictions. And that's just not, a, that's just not a, a statement of mine. Not only does God make that true in his word, but I'll just tell you from my own testimony, I, I used to be 110 pounds heavier than I am right now. I was addicted to food. True story. And I, I haven't had a surgery. I haven't done all that. It's, just, it's the power of the Holy Spirit that has helped me to lose the weight and keep it off for over 20 years now. But all that comes from the power of the Holy Spirit because Jesus wants me to experience an abundant life. He wants us to also live without mental lids. Now, I don't know what mental lids you're tending to live with. Some of you have a mental lid that was put there by your parents. Things that they said to you or about you that just limited your thoughts about yourself. Maybe you had a coach or a teacher that said things about you that that were not exactly glowing, and that was a mental lid that you're still living under. Maybe for you, you put a mental lid on top of yourself. You just end up saying things, well, that's just who I am. That's just the kind of person I am. But can I tell you, according to God, no, it's not. Because according to God, you have so much more in you. He created you to run. He created you to live with all of his power working in and through you. An abundant life, by the way, also means that you live free of financial stress. That you don't freak out about finances. You don't freak out about money because you understand that God has promised to take care of you. That he's promised to provide for you. And you can live with Joy, even in difficult situations. I think of this guy by the name of Paul who wrote a lot of the New Testament of the Bible. And much of that writing he actually did from a prison cell. Now, I understand that uh, COVID 
in this year that we've been living in has sometimes felt like a prison cell to us. I get that. You know, we've kind of felt limited. Oh, we can't go to restaurants or we can't do this. We can't gather in churches. And so it, there have been moments when it has felt like a prison cell to us. But can I tell you, Paul, even in a prison cell, said, I rejoice and I'm going to rejoice even more. Well, how can you rejoice in a prison cell, Paul? Like, what's with you? What was with him? is he, he understood that Jesus came to give him an abundant life and he could focus in on the things that he had to be grateful for. And he focused on those things. See, even during a second wave of COVID, we don't have to live in fear. We don't have to live in frustration. We don't have to live in judgment of others. We can actually love each other. See, there are going to be people that talk about masks or not wearing masks. There are going to be people that talk about this and that. And instead of getting frustrated, what have we actually loved? We can walk through this with a Christ-like attitude that just loves other people, even people that have a differing opinion than ours that prays for people who are sick and people who are on the front lines and who helps people who are negatively impacted by COVID. See, you and I were made to live this awesome, beautiful, wonderfully different life than how the rest of the world lives. And even in navigating COVID right now, we can live this different life than how other people live. And it's not a weird life, it's a winsome life. We can be the ones that actually show joy. We can be the ones that actually are positive. We're, we can be the ones that actually are encouraging to others during this time. Now, now you might be asking me, well, Chris, if that's the case, if that's the kind of life that Jesus said that we could live, then Chris, I've just got one question for you. Why is it that so many people, even people who call themselves Christ followers, aren't living like that? Why is it that Facebook posts seem to go viral when people who call themselves Christ followers are on different sides and they just start attacking each other online? Why does that happen? Well, I think one of the biggest reasons why Christ followers don't experience the abundant life that Jesus came to offer us and that he promised us is because they don't take advantage of the power of God's word to speak into their lives, to change their mindsets, to change their actions, to change not only how they think and not only what they do, but also their reactions. See, way too many people shipwreck their lives because they don't know and apply God's word, God's truth to their lives. See, we have this racing fuel that's available to us by God we're just putting gas in our tanks instead of racing fuel. And then we wonder why it's not working. Now, I know that's silly, but if I go put a gallon of water right now into your gas tank of your car, it's not going to work very well. Well, in the same way, so many of us are not putting the racing fuel that God gave us into our lives and into our hearts. We need to fuel up from his source, which is his word. And the best way to experience all God has for us is by spending regular time in God's word. See, the two biggest sources of power from God is his Holy Spirit, which he's promised us, and his word. Those are the two biggest sources of power to live an abundant life. The life the Holy Spirit wants to give us is the Holy Spirit and God's word. Because scripture tells us that all the Bible, all scripture 
is God-breathed and is useful for us. See, God's got this racing fuel, but we keep driving by that gas station, and eventually we run out of gas to live the life that Jesus promised to give us. We're just too busy. We just got too many things going on. We get out of bed, bam, bam, bam. We check our phones. We get, you know, here we go. We got to go with life. An author by the name of Dallas Willard, who wrote some very poignant things that I think really apply to the world that we live in right now. I'm going to read just a few of these things. It's also going to be up on your screen. A response to giving attention to personal soul care often is, well, I don't have time for it. I don't have time to really feed my soul. Well, the truth is, Dallas wrote, that we don't have time not to spend time with God and his word. No time is more profitably spent than that used to heighten the quality of an intimate walk with God. The real question is, will we take time to do what is necessary for an abundant life, or will we try and get by without it? In other words, will we just go by God's gas station, his fuel for us, or will we actually take it in? Knowing Christ through time spent with him in Scripture will let our joy be complete. It will bring over us this pervasive sense of well-being, no matter what is happening around us. We can have this, I love that, this pervasive sense of well-being, even in COVID. We can allow the peace of God to sink deeply into our lives and extend through our relationships to others. See, we need to remember that God's word is alive. It's living and active. It's alive. Hebrews 4.12 says that. And because God's word is alive, because it's dynamic and not static, so often it gives us what we need right when we need it. God's word gives us guidance. It gives us perspective. It gives us wisdom. It gives us purpose and power and so much more. I just have to tell you, one-on-one, -on -one, I would not want to go through life without the power of God's word regularly being infused in my life, daily being infused in my life. God's word reminds, me, reminds us of who we are. God's word reminds you that you were chosen by Jesus in John 15. It reminds us in Ephesians chapter 1 and Ephesians chapter 2 that you were adopted into God's family. So regardless of how you might feel, you get up in the morning and how you feel about yourself, you were chosen by the God of the universe. It reminds us of who we are. It helps to focus our attention on all that we have because of what Jesus has done for us. Ephesians chapter 1 says that we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 talks about that. You've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. And when we recognize that, instead of saying what we don't have, we, all of a sudden we focus in on, oh my goodness, God, you have been so good to me. You've blessed my life with so many things. You know, I, I just have to tell you, I, this is not in my manuscript, but I, I just feel led to share for just a second. Uh, some of you would know, probably many of you would not know that Peter, who led us in worship just a few moments ago, his mom right now is fighting breast cancer. And um, if she wouldn't have made that widely known, of course I wouldn't have shared it. Got a caring page and, and all that. But you know what so impressed me about Peter's mom? I've, I've been privileged to know her for many years now. It's just that, you know what, you know what Beth is doing right now? 
And she's counting her blessings even in the midst of going through chemotherapy. She's a rock star to me. What an example. You know, she could sit there and have a pity poor me party about what she's going through. Oh my gosh, not only do I have COVID. And what's interesting is, I mean, she doesn't have COVID, but not only am I, corn, am I walking through a COVID year. And what's interesting is, is that Peter's dad has fought cancer for many years in his own life. So Beth could have this opportunity just to focus in on all the things that would be negative, but instead, Beth chooses to focus in on the goodness of God. And you gain that ability through the power of God's word. You don't get it by just getting up and trying to pick yourself up through you know, positive attitudes. No, no, no. You get that through the rock solidness of God's word by reminding yourself in places like Ephesians 1, 3, that you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. The Bible encourages me to pursue God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And that as I do that, in James 4, 8, it says that as I lean into God, that he leans into me. It calls me to forgive. In Matthew 8, 22, actually in Matthew 8, 21, Peter says to Paul, excuse me, Peter says to Jesus, hey, Jesus, how many times do I have to forgive people? Like, is seven times enough? Because my brother's really getting under my skin. So, you know, he's, it's like six times now. It's like the seventh time, can I just like tell him off? <laughs> and Jesus repeats, not Peter. Not seven times, but 70 times seven. He wasn't talking about 490 times. He was just talking about an attitude of forgiveness. The Bible reminds me of that. It, challenged me, it challenges me to think and to live as he wants me to think and to live. Now, I know that all of you are so much more perfect than I am. It's not hard to imagine that at all. But I have to tell you that, um, you know, I've been married. A few weeks ago, my wife and I celebrated our 30th anniversary. So super excited about that and super blessed and uh, really blessed for me that she's put up with me for 30 years, quite frankly. And, uh, but, you know, I have to tell you, if I'm really, really, really honest and really vulnerable with you, there have been times in our married life when I've wanted to focus on my rights and what I think I deserve and how I think she ought to treat me. <laughs> and then I go to places like Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, where it encourages me to, where it says, Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And it's God's word that reminds me, hey, knucklehead, love your wife Mary and sacrifice for her. Stop being focused on your rights. Start loving her. And it's God's word that does that for me. And it inspires me to focus on loving others instead of myself. So if those are all the things that God's word does for us, in the next few minutes, I just want to ask and answer the question, how can I experience God's word coming alive in my own life? If his word is living and active, how can I experience that his word coming alive in my own life. Okay, I'm going to start very, very basic, and then I'm going to progress, okay? Because I wish that someone would have started really basic with me when they started talking to me about God's word. Number one, take the time to get to know how the Bible is put together. I'm amazed at how many people have been Christ followers for years and years and years and don't know how the Bible is really put together. Can I encourage you with something? 
This is a book that is so old. I, I, I don't, literally, I've probably had this book for nearly 20, uh, longer than 25 years. It's still available. You can still, I, I look uh, yesterday again. Yep, it's available online at Amazon. Uh, the cover looks a lot different. But the book is called 30 Days to Understanding the Bible by Max Anders. And his promise is, give me 15 minutes a day for 30 days, and I'll help you understand how the Bible is put together. See, the Bible is not, like any other book that you're going to pick up and read, not only because it's the inspired word of God, which is true, but also because it's not, most of the time, 90% of the time, we get a book, we, we, you know, from Amazon or whatever, we go to a bookstore and we buy a book and we start at the very beginning, right? And then we read to the very end. That's how we read the book. That's even how we're supposed to read this book, 30 Days to Understand the Bible. But if you pick up your Bible and you start reading in Genesis, and you just say, I'm going to read from Genesis on, you're going to get to some books called Leviticus and Deuteronomy, and you're just going to get frustrated probably and give up because you're going to say, I don't understand what's going on. Well, here's the deal. I want to encourage you, first of all, get a copy of that book because that book will help you understand how the Bible is put together. But then I want to encourage you, if regular time in God's Word has not been a routine for you, then start in the New Testament of the Bible, which is about two-thirds of the way back. The New Testament of the Bible starts with the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Read a couple of them. Read Matthew and John or Luke and John or whatever. I don't care. And then go to the potato chips. You didn't know that potato chips are in the New Testament of the Bible? Yes, they are. Potato chips are in the New Testament of the Bible. How do I know that? Because there's these four books of the, of the New Testament called Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. G-E-P-C. God eats potato chips. That's how you know what order they're in. So read the Gospels and then go to the potato chips and read Galatians, read Ephesians, read Philippians, read Colossians, and then begin to read the rest of the New Testament. Um. Once you have kind of gotten a feel of the New Testament, you can start reading in the Old Testament the book of Psalms, which is just ancient songs that rhymed in the Hebrew language that we now have as the book of Psalms and the book of Proverbs, which are not promises, but they're wise ways to think of living. After that, you might want to read the Minor Prophets. What in the world are the Minor Prophets? They are the shorter books that come just before the New Testament of the Bible. And then, then start reading the Old Testament. But I'll tell you, personally, now, I, I don't, I, please understand, I'm, I, I'm not trying to impress you. I've read the Bible through many, 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 many times. But I've never read it, Genesis to, to Revelation. It's never how I've read the Bible. I've read every book in this Bible many, many, many times. I've got it all underlined. I mean, not all, but much of it underlined. But I have, I've never read it that way. So what I want to encourage you with is that if, you're in, if you start reading like the book of Leviticus, well, then read a couple of chapters in Leviticus and then read a couple of chapters in the New Testament as well. Okay? Next principle. Make sure you have a translation of the Bible that's easy to read and understand. Make sure the translation of the Bible you have is easy to read and understand. So uh, there are a couple of translations I would recommend to you. The New Living Translation, um, the Message Paraphrase of the Bible, 
This one happens to be the Passion Translation, which actually is only available right now in the New Testament and then, uh, let's see, Psalms and Proverbs and Song of Solomon. Um, I just make sure you get a Bible that makes sense. I, I, I so shudder for people who wake up and say, I'm going to start reading my Bible today and then get out a Bible that grandma gave them and is in the King James Version. And they're going to get about five minutes in and be bored out of their gourd. So, so don't do that to yourself. Number three, ask the Holy Spirit to help you fully take in all that God has for you as you read Scripture. See, the Holy Spirit and God's Word working in tandem together is a powerful source. That's the racing fuel that you need to put into your life. The Holy Spirit and God's Word working in tandem together is the racing fuel that we need to live as God wants us to live. Jesus said in John chapter 16, verse 13, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will guide you into all truth. It's the Holy Spirit that illuminates God's word to us. So let me be as practical as I possibly know how to be. When I sit down every morning to read the Bible, you don't have to read it in the morning, you can read it at night, I don't care, whatever. But when I sit down to read the Bible, I pause and I pray, and this is what I pray. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would now open up my eyes to everything that you want to say to me through your word. Encourage me in the areas where I need to be encouraged. Challenge me in the areas where I need to be challenged. Help me to see the things you want me to see and not miss it, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. And once I've prayed a prayer like that, I might be reading along in that potato part. Okay, so God eats potato chips in Philippians in the New Testament. And I get to this verse in, um, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 11 that says, I have learned, where Paul writes, I have learned to be content in all things, in all circumstances. Wait, even in COVID, Paul? Yep, even in COVID. I'm choosing to be content today. See, if I read that verse when Paul says, I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances, I can stop right there and say, okay, Holy Spirit, would you help me to be content today? Because everything within me is raging inside not to be content. Would you help me be content today? to focus on the blessings of my life, to focus, on, to focus my mind and my heart on the things that are good because you've given them to me. Let me give you another example, totally different than contentment for just a moment. Let's say I happen to be living in a season of life where I'm really frustrated and really discouraged and really confused because my life is not going the way that I thought it would go. I thought by now, you might be thinking to yourself, I thought by now in my life, this would be true or this would be true. I would be at this place or that place at this place. And there's this, there's this raging discontent of your life, of where you actually are in life. And then you, you, you study, you, you open God's word to read it, and you find yourself in Romans, which is in the New Testament. Romans chapter 8, verse 28, where it says, And God works all things out for the good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And you stop, and you just say, you don't keep reading, you don't speed read it, you just stop. And God works all things out. Even this? See, I'll just be honest with you. If we had an hour to sit down and chat, and I listened to your story, and I told you a tiny bit of my story, I would tell you that there have been seasons of, seasons of my life that made absolutely no sense to me when I was living in them. 
I've been fired by a couple of churches. True story. Now, how bad do you have to be to be fired from a church? I mean, how bad do you have to be? And I got fired twice from two different ones. My wife and I went 16 years without being able to have children. That was an arduous season in our life and a very long-lasting one. I've gone through seasons in my life when I've said, God, I don't understand. But can I tell you something? And I know all this means is that I'm old. I get that. But I've been walking with the Lord for 47 years now. And as I look in the rearview mirror and look back at my life, you know what I've seen? That that passage of Scripture is absolutely true. It doesn't mean that everything I went through was good. It means that everything I went through, God made it to be good in my life. He worked it out in my life so that it was good. Some of our situations in life will be horrible. I'm not pretending otherwise. But I'm saying that God can even take those seasons. And if I'm reading Scripture and I come to that place in Romans chapter 8 where it says that, all of a sudden my, my perspective can begin to change. All of a sudden, my mindset begins to change. All of a sudden, how I look at life, my entire life begins to change. And I can begin to remind myself of that song that's fairly popular right now. All my life, you have been faithful. All my life, you have been so, so good. That happens because I allow God's word to penetrate my soul and my spirit. Number four out of five, by the way. I only got two more left. As you read Scripture, have a spirit of expectancy that Holy Spirit is going to speak to you and transform your mind and your heart and your spirit in some way. See, get into this time. As you go into this time, believe some truth. Believe that God is for you, that his plans for you are good, that he wants to speak to you, that he wants to guide you and direct you. Believe that God's word has powerful truths to teach you. Actually, when you sit down and start reading God's word, either on your phone or, you know, using an actual hard copy like this, believe that actually it has stuff to fill your mind and your soul with. Remind yourself that Hebrews 4.12 is true, that God's word is living and active, and it really will penetrate your heart. See, let's say I need God's direction in some area of my life. Well, I, maybe I remind myself of what Psalm 119 verse 105 says, that God's word is a lamp for my feet and a light to my path. So we go in and we just say, God, I have a spirit of expectancy that you're going to speak into my life about the direction I need to take either in this relationship or in this job opportunity or should I move or what do you have for me, God? And here's another practical tip. The goal is not to speed read the Bible. The goal is not to say, how much of the Bible can I read? Like, I'm going to read an entire book. Now, there might be a day in your life when you get up and you just want to read, an, you know, three or four or 12 chapters. That's fine. That's great. But on a normal day, can I just encourage you, read until you have an aha moment from the Holy Spirit. Read until you have this aha moment. And that might be one verse. It might be 20 verses. It might be a chapter or two. But read until you have an aha moment. For example, you're reading in Philippians chapter 4, and it says to us, don't be anxious about anything in verse 6 and 7, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. 
So as we read this, it says, don't be anxious for anything. So we begin to think in new ways. We begin living a whole new way. So I'm not going to live with anxious thoughts anymore. I'm just not going to live that way. Because God's word tells me I don't have to. And I wonder how powerful that could be. Seriously, brothers and sisters and friends, how many, of, how many people do you know that are living, going through life, either through COVID or outside of COVID, who are living through life with all these anxious feelings in them? And God's word tells us, be anxious for nothing. You can live with peace. You can live with joy. You can live with this life that's winsome. And when we join the word of God with the power of God through his Holy Spirit that's available to us, oh my goodness, that combination will literally transform our lives. Again, Ephesians chapter 1 says, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. God's got enough power. So if we say, you know, we read Philippians chapter 4 that says, don't be anxious for anything, but we tend to be anxious people naturally. Then we could go to Ephesians chapter 1 that says that God's same power that resurrected Jesus from the grave is available to us. Okay, God, I need your power to go right to those thoughts in my mind where I tend to be anxious. Let me be as practical as I know how to be. I told you a few minutes ago that I I lost 110 pounds. There are literally times when I have to sit down at a table where I'm going to eat, and I just have to say, God, I I need your help right now because I want to eat everything on this table. I need your help right now in this moment. See, when I live like this, when I live under the power of the Holy Spirit, and the power of God's word, what happens is, is not only does it impact me, but I start influencing in a positive way the people around me. In the Zoom meetings I'm in, in the telephone calls that I have, I start influencing people by the attitude and the spirit that I have. Now, you might be asking yourself, okay, well, Chris, what happens if I don't have an aha moment? Well, don't get discouraged. There may be a few days like that every month. That's okay. Once in a while, we're going to have that off day. That's okay. Come back the next day. And again, pray and say, Holy Spirit, would you speak to me? Don't freak out about it. Those days happen. Finally, number five is, consider capturing what Holy Spirit has taught you in some way. Consider capturing that. Maybe you're going to write it down. Psalm 119.11 says, I've hidden your word in my heart. Let me just encourage you. Maybe you're going to journal. Maybe you're going to just write down one little thought from that day. Maybe you're going to text a friend and just say, hey, can I just share something with you? This is what God said to me today. I just wanted to share it with someone. In other words, don't don't allow God to teach you something and and then you forget it as soon as you get up from your chair. So, as we close... What I earnestly pray for you is that you have sensed Holy Spirit speaking to you about the power of God's Word, that it's the jet fuel, it's the rocket fuel, it's the racing fuel for our lives. So let me just ask you, what's your next step in interacting with God's Word that has the absolute power to transform our lives? Do you need to get a translation that makes sense to you? Do you need to get that book, 30 Days to Understanding the Bible, so you can understand how it's put together? 
Do you need to start reading one of the Gospels and maybe in Philippians, you know, God's potato chip area of the New Testament? Maybe you need to read with an expectant heart. Invite Holy Spirit's in, Holy Spirit's presence in. But can I just encourage you, let God's word be your authority in life. Don't let other voices be your authority. Let God's word be your authority because it is what is true and it's what transforms lives, including your own, including mine. Can I pray with you as we close today? God, thank you so much for the power of your word. And God, I know lives get crazy busy. We get caught, stuck in routines and Sometimes we go days and weeks without opening up your word and allowing it to really speak into our lives and to transform us. So I pray for my brothers and sisters, I pray that you would encourage us to crack open your word, to open your word and allow the Holy Spirit's power to begin to penetrate our lives through the power of your word. I pray right now, that we would begin to see transformation in our attitudes, in our actions, in how winsome we are, in how we come across, in how we see ourselves, in how we see everything around us in life. Transform us from the inside out through the power of your word. Let us be different people by the power of your word. And let us live this abundant life that Jesus promised us to live, that we could live by focusing in on your word, I pray. Thank you for not just leaving us without your word, but for giving us this powerful tool. We love you, Jesus. And it's in your name that we pray.